Inside Track on Real Estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track, everything you need to know about buying and selling in the greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. Is it time for you to right-size your home? Is it time to, to either move to a larger home, move to the country, move out of the country? And what do I do with the house that I have? Maybe it's time to have an investment property because one of the least expensive things to do is keep your existing property and turn it into a rental property. Wait, so why? that's what this show's about. Okay. All right. I'll stop asking questions. That's okay. Yeah. You can ask questions so very So why soon. is it? Who are you, by the way? Oh, I'm Ryan Decker. And Ryan Decker. And Ryan, what do you specialize in? Uh, specialize in real estate investment properties okay. and uh, land. So you help people develop wealth mm-hmm. through real estate? I sure do. Nice. I like doing that too. Okay, so I'm Ken Decker, and I'm owner of Keller Williams Solid Rock Realty and also one of the partners with Decker Team. I've uh, been a real estate investor for close to 30 years. Yeah, own multiple properties. And also, I'm the author of The Wealth Formula, which teaches people how to get out of debt and build wealth through uh, investment vehicles as well as real estate as an investment vehicle. So today we're going to talk about... That's an impressive bio. Is that an impressive bio? I like it. You like it. Nice. Well, you ought to like it. You're my son. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave you half of everything I own. That's true. (laughs) After Yetta gets it. Well, it's not true. After Yetta gets it first. Yetta, eh? Nice. Yeah. Actually, you won't get half. The church is going to get a bunch of it. Okay, cool. We just said that live on radio, so I guess we're going to have to follow through with that. (laughs) (laughs) So, ways to make it happen. So, how can we get our house... To pay for itself. Well, is it the current house you're living in, or is it the one that you're leaving? Um, the one, well, both. Like we may be able to get some money from the one we're moving into if we buy something that could have an ancillary apartment, or maybe it's a duplex, triplex, fourplex, mm-hmm. and we're living in one of the units. Mm-hmm. Like I think on a fourplex, you can probably pretty much live for free, Begin pretty close, close yeah. right? Yeah. So. That may be where someone's moving because they're deciding, hey, I want to take this step of creating passive wealth mm-hmm. in my, in my, and we call passive wealth. It's kind of not passive. It's kind of a bad word, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm changing my language. Are you? What would you use instead? I like passive abundance. Passive abundance? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I thought we were getting rid of the rid of the word passive, oh, passive. not the abundance <laughs> part or the the wealth the part. wealth part. Yeah, and what's interesting okay. is sometimes people use the word abundance for you know they they've got unlimited resources or mm-hmm. unlimited money, and that's not what abundance is. Abundance is being really satisfied with what God's given you. Yeah, that's living an abundant life. Because when you're not in want of something else, it's not mm-hmm. that God doesn't want to give you the desires of your heart and that um, he doesn't want us to work towards things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about your current situation. You can have abundance in your current situation when you feel that all your needs are met. Mm-hmm. To and me, having abundance is having more than you actually need. 
Yeah, and I think it's most, not more than you desire. Most it's of us have it. Yeah, most of us of have us too. more than we need mm-hmm. for sure. And abundance is also time with family. It's it's time with God. It's because sometimes we live an unabundant life because we filled our time slots too full with busy work and now we're not living an abundant life because we're not doing what you know god called us to wow are we on a bunny trail or what this is awesome (laughs) so we're talking about maybe keeping our existing home as a rental because there is a cost to to sell a property and to move and all that but if the house isn't suiting our needs anymore then maybe it's time to move somewhere right so if your home's not meeting your needs right now then maybe it's time to adjust something or maybe it's time to move and one of the things we want to figure out is when we go to move first of all do we have the finances that we could afford to keep the existing one Mm -hmm. rent it out and buy another one and secondly is that one a good rental Mm -hmm. so what makes for a good rental property that's a big question is it what would make a property not great for a rental property? So, oh man, it's still the same question. <laughs> um, so I'm going to attack right. this a little bit. Um, <laughs> however, know that to answer this fully, I would need to see the property and see if there's any other things there. But right. in general, um, you want a property that cash flow positive. That would mm-hmm. be one of the criteria. Okay. Another criteria. So if it was too expensive a property and couldn't rent, in that neighborhood for enough money that would disqualify it as a good potentially yeah it would definitely be a a mark against keeping it right i would also say places that have uh, hot tubs and in ground pools and things like that are not impossible to rent they're more difficult to maintain Mm -hmm. as a rental you might have to have a company uh, look after the maintenance of the pool and include that in the rental charge because the last thing you want is a damaged pool. Right. And uh, another few things that could make it disqualified in my books anyways is a uh, property in the country on well or septic. Or okay. well and septic, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of reasons. One being that if the septic isn't maintained properly mm-hmm. or isn't uh, the sewage system, they're flushing the wrong things or whatever, it can kill it. And then you're out 30 grand and that investment you were trying to make is now gone. Right. Or negative. So our preference, although I've had rental properties <laughs> in the country. And I still have rentals You still have rental properties in mm-hmm. the country. Uh, they would be less desirable than something that's on city water and city sewer. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of those marks that it may not make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I find also sometimes a property, if you're, if you're emotionally attached to it. Oh, yeah. You know, if you lived in it and you want it, like maybe you had it built and you're only there for a year or so um, and then you decide to move and you're going to rent it and maybe you want to come back to it at some point that's mm. the other piece if you want to come back to it at some point you're so emotionally attached to the can the, be to the yeah you can be not everyone not does. everyone is but many people are very emotionally attached to how they remember it how pristine it was and then five ten years later they move back to it and they, they're crying Mm-hmm. because it's there's been wear and tear wear and tear yeah and probably it's might have been the same wear and tear if they lived in it and the other thing is when you live there and you notice things typically you're gonna you maintain things mm-hmm. maybe a little better right yeah so being able to detach from a property 
emotionally is one of my criterion as to whether someone should keep a property as a rental property. And yeah. sometimes people buy a house and maybe um, it's just too far away from where they're moving to and they, they don't trust a management company to do it well enough. Okay. And so maybe location is no longer a fit because they're moving too far away mm. from it. Yeah, sometimes people move from their house to make a right fit to one that's closer to work because maybe work moved. Maybe they mm-hmm. got transferred. Maybe uh, maybe they changed jobs and now they're driving across the total city and they don't want to. Mm-hmm. So they want to move close to their employment or close to their church. And that would mean the rental property is back where they're trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. So they got to go back there to pick up the rent or to check on the property, maintain it, whatever. So, So another question I have about this is a lot of people who own and they don't have mm-hmm. a rental property yet, often have fears about owning a rental property. Right. So if I'm moving and I'm keeping, you know, maybe financially I can do it, maybe it's the best decision I could make mm-hmm. right now financially. Mm-hmm. However, there's so many fears. Yeah, what kind of fears? Uh, well, what if my tenant destroys the place? Okay. And so you've been a landlord for... Nine years. Nine years. Ten. How often has somebody destroyed the place? Never. Never. Have you had to go in and paint or clean? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And it's painful for a day or two? Yeah, it's that, yeah. <laughs> it is but, what it is. But they don't typically destroy places. Even the worst one I ever had did put some holes and leave the place uh, somewhat damaged. And I actually went to court and got uh, got a settlement because they had broken their contract and and left the property in very poor condition. Um, But again, it was fix it up and away we go. Mm -hmm. So there is a cost. I think think if you had a septic system and they blew your $25,000 septic system or something, that may be a little tougher to Mm -hmm. pill to swallow, right? I've had one of those, but it was Mm -hmm. a very old septic system, so I just chalked it up as maintenance, put in a new septic system, and later when I actually sold the property, I regained all that money and yeah, having and a new more septic. Yep. and more. Yeah, not because of the new septic, just because values had gone up and the property was improved. Mm-hmm. I improved the you know the exterior, the interior. I remember improving that one. You remember improving? Stepped that one? on a nail that one of those days. <laughs> and you had your safety sneakers on. I sure did. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, we've learned, eh? Yeah. Wear your safety boots on a construction site. Absolutely. Yeah, so I wasn't actually on the site, just for credibility. You weren't I on the site. of the site when I stepped on the nail. Oh, yeah. So you're still good. <laughs> <laughs> Your safety record is still safe. Oh, okay. I have a good safety record. Nice. So we're going to talk about, well, let's continue because some people, even if the house isn't the right house, mm-hmm. it may be the right time when they're moving to get an investment property because that's the chance for mm-hmm. them to take some equity out of their property to buy another property. So they're actually buying two now instead of one. And that's a great thing to do at the same time because the financing charges and all that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. right? I do want to close the loop on this fear though. And that is wherever there's a risk, there's usually usually a way to mitigate it. Mm -hmm. So the reason that I haven't had a tenant that destroyed the place, it's not luck. It's not um, that I'm blessed and I am blessed. It is that there's a strategy in order to get great tenants and keep great tenants. And for all the other fears you might have with owning a rental, there's also ways to mitigate those fears, mm. mitigate those risks. Okay, so 
mitigating the risk and being educated on how to, how to reduce it. that risk. Right. Before it happens well, and if and it happens. If it happens. Both. Yeah. So if a tenant stops paying, for instance, understanding the law of yeah. what your, what your um, abilities are, your recourse mm-hmm. is against the tenant and when to take action will significantly reduce any amount of loss that you might Or hiring someone to do that for you. Yes. A good property manager can Mm -hmm. do a lot of good stuff for you. And I have property managers, even though I know exactly, I know the law, I know what to do, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. And so on my bigger properties, I have a property manager. Mm -hmm. Because when there's 12 or 12, you know, 12 tenants in a building, and, uh, you know, I might have to be there three, four, five times a month for different issues or whatever when you have 12 tenants. Mm-hmm. And so I choose to have a property manager and then I don't have to go there. Which is interesting because you just answered some people's fear and that is, well, how much time am I going to have to invest into this? You said it's not totally passive. Mm-hmm. You didn't like that word. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to make it more passive, like hiring a property manager. Yep. And so if you're a little bit worried about rental properties... Uh, come see us, come talk to us. We're happy to educate you, show you what we're doing and what our clients are doing. Um, that's that's a big... big yeah, and thing. also bear in mind that uh, selecting the right tenant from the right tenant pool mm. is important. And so a lot of our clients actually hire us to find them prospective tenants. We do the credit check and they do the personal check and they have the final say on whether they rent to that person uh, but we, it's a lot easier to pick a tenant if you've got a bunch to choose from mm-hmm. and you go, oh, this one's got good credit, this one hasn't been late on their payments, their, their references are good, their job security is great, this is the one I'm going to take, rather than, oh, it's empty, first guy that comes to the door, first girl it. I'm going to give it to, right? And that's, that's usually dangerous. how people get burned. Yeah. 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 All right, so now... One of the big questions is, why would I want to go through the little bit of learning curve, the the little bit of inconvenience to own a second property, and maybe a little bit of, um, what would be the word, Uh, insecurity a little bit, because Mm -hmm. my money's now not in my my personal residence, it's it's divided between two properties. Um, Why would, what are the, actually I wrote them down, seven benefits Seven ways that real estate investment can make money. Seven. Seven. I, I, I know I'm going to talk about three. Why are I know. seven? I know. Well, you're going to have to look at them. I okay. wrote them down. So oh, they're, they're actually on here. Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> now oh. he's reading. So, anyway, the first okay. way is the purchase right. And mm-hmm. that's where we come in again. Because mm-hmm. we want to make sure that you buy your investment property at a little bit below market value, Mm -hmm. right? And some people say, well, why can't I buy an investment property below value? Well, because it's all about the numbers and there isn't any emotional attachment Mm -hmm. to a particular home because you need a place to live. It's more, I need a place that's going to be a great investment so you can spend the time, we can spend the time, and Mm -hmm. we're going to find a property that someone needs to sell relatively quickly. Now, I do want to caveat this, and that is, in the spring market, I had investors who were buying properties actually above market value mm-hmm. because they wanted a property and they expected, and it did happen, 
that the market continued to trend upwards. Yep. And so although they bought it above market value, they still bought it right because they actually got a property at that value. Yeah, and they knew that the market was on mm-hmm. its way up. So get in now or wait till the market slows and it's 20000 more. And then get a discount of 1000 on your tour. Like, it just doesn't <laughs> make sense. So right. sometimes it is okay to buy above market value if you can... But you're not really above market value because the market's going up. Right. So you're above we, yesterday's value. Yes, above tomorrow's. yesterday's, but below tomorrow's. Yeah. And so it, there's a fine definition there. That also being said, probably they lost out on the odd house because they weren't willing to go as mm-hmm. crazy high as somebody that wanted it to live in it. Mm-hmm. And maybe they got outbid on, I don't know if your investor does. They got outbid by a few, and then they decided, you know what, we, we're not going to do this again. We just want our property. We're wasting time. We're wasting energy. <laughs> okay. Uh, because so, a lot of them are business now, people. So. Okay, so there we go. So maybe they miss out on that one. Even if you missed out on that one because you want a specific property, you want it in a specific condition, and you want it in a specific area because you know it's highly rentable, mm-hmm. you might pay slightly above market lose that one way of earning money mm-hmm. because you have six others. Yep. So let's talk about the six awesome. others. So leverage is the one of the three that you normally would speak about. No. Nope. No? Because I wouldn't say that's a way to make money. Oh. That's a way to increase how much money you're making. Okay. So I love that though. Let's talk about leverage. So leverage just means uh, we're taking a property and we don't have to pay for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Which is beautiful. We we buy, let's say, a townhouse for three hundred, three hundred thirty thousand now because they went up about ten percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we buy this property, and we only have to pay, say, sixty six thousand dollars to buy a three hundred thirty thousand dollar investment mm-hmm. plus some closing costs. So let's say seventy thousand to buy a three hundred thirty thousand dollar investment. So now, if it goes up. Two, three percent, or four or five or six or seven, like it did this year. That's on the total amount. But we only invested one fifth of that amount. Mm -hmm. So, whatever rate of return we're getting, let's say it's five percent, for instance, it's five times because we put down 20 percent. That's one fifth of the total Mm -hmm. amount. So, we multiply the amount, the percentage, by five times. So now suddenly it's 25% rate of return on our investment. That's what yeah. leverage does. Now be careful with leverage because leverage also goes the other way. Mm-hmm. I've had that where I've bought into some um, futures and things where you're highly leveraged and you make a lot of money if they go up, but you lose a ton of money if they go down. And that's the beauty with real estate and leverage is yeah. historically real estate mm-hmm. goes up. And it's pretty stable. Yeah. yeah. And uh, another cool factor with the leverage part and uh, is there's a fine line between leverage and over leverage. Mm-hmm. And we are proponents of great leverage. And we, we steer people away from the over leverage. Yeah. Over leverage is where you're, you're borrowing for a first and you're borrowing a second mortgage and maybe even a third to get a property. Maybe you're zero down. Yeah, because you've borrowed down. everything. Yeah. You're, you're in trouble. You're going to ask for trouble. Because if anything happens, you know, a late rent or some damage to the property, you're so over leveraged. You have no way of compensating for this and you end up getting 
double burn when yeah. it should have just been a yeah. little issue. It's like a house of cards. It can yeah. fall. It can yeah. fall. So over leverage, not great. Leverage, yeah. amazing for mm-hmm. rate of return increase. Right. So the another way is uh, the third way is mortgage pay down. This is my favorite one. That's I love your favorite mortgage pay down because it's hidden. Because it's hidden. You don't even know what's happening. Yeah. You're asleep. You're you know you're going to work and you check your balance at the end of the month and oh my goodness I just made six hundred bucks and yeah I don't even know how this happened yeah and it just continues yeah it's because your tenants let's say your mortgage is eleven hundred but mm-hmm. six hundred of that is mortgage pay down yeah so while your tenants and that's in the first mortgage, couple of years. Yeah, and it gets and, better and better. And it gets better and better every year. You I just looked at one of my buildings, actually, yeah. at the statement. And uh, we're paying bi-weekly. And we've been accelerating our payment. But right now, we're just paying bi-weekly. And um, the principal pay down was $700. And the interest was $70. Nice. So so now, we're, so we're about 1400 per month is going into principal pay down now. Which is just money going into the bank account. Mm-hmm. So principal payment is fantastic. And the reason I, I love it so much is it's not just principal pay down. It's now less leverage, which means I can re-leverage it later. Right. So it, it's that's one of the me. other ways. Let's talk about that. Re-leverage. Do we yeah, have re-leverage is, is part of the way to make money because we can now take the money out tax-free by remortgaging. As long as you invest it again. And then reinvest that in another property, mm-hmm. which is going to make money again. So we, we take our sleepy asset as it starts to not make as much money, we re-leverage it. So that's another way. Mm-hmm. So how many are we up to? Four now. Fifth way is um, it appreciates in value over time, mm. which is in, in combination with the leverage. Maybe so this is two, my favorite way. Those two ways. <laughs> oh, maybe that's your favorite way. <laughs> and the next one after this might also be my favorite way. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love this. So appreciation and value over time. And the beauty is you're not taxed on it mm-hmm. until you sell it. And even if you re-leverage. Wait, say that again? You're not taxed on it until you sell it. Okay. And even if you re-leverage to buy another one, you're not taxed on that property until you sell it. On that increase in value. On the increase yeah. in value. And here's another way that you can make money is cash flow. Mm, so I think you, this is my favorite way now. <laughs> cash flow is very awesome. Yeah, cash flow is great, but I'm not super worried about cash flow. I want my property to kind of mm-hmm. be neutral, revenue neutral, because all the other factors are going to work in my favor. Mm-hmm. And if it's got positive cash flow, that's great, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily 100% necessary to make a lot of money on real estate. Especially for your lifestyle. For wealth building. Yes. If you've got enough income, you don't need cash flow. You need wealth accumulation Mm -hmm. for your future retirement or whatever you want to do. People often ask me when I sit down and do a consult with them, what's better, cash flow or the uh, property increase? Yes. And I say, (laughs) it depends on who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. Yes. And usually it's a trade-off. If there's more cash flow, there's usually less property increase. And vice versa, if there's more property increase, there's usually less cash flow. Mm-hmm. And so it depends on who you are and what you're it's wanting to do. It's kind of market-driven usually. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the seventh way is tax deferral through depreciation. Mm. So although your property is going up in value, you can actually depreciate it because the building itself is going down in value mm-hmm. slightly. And you can depreciate it and reduce your taxable income during mm. the year. Now, you'll get hit when, you, when and it. if you sell it, mm-hmm. but that's okay because you've had 
basically government money. Let's say it's using. been 20 years. Mm -hmm. You've been using that money to make more money for 20 years. Yes, you got to pay them back, but okay. Yep. That's all right. It's a legal way to de defer when you need to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's very cool. So, and again, untaxed growth is is nice because if you mm -hmm. just had your money sitting in a bank account and you earned interest on it, whether you took that money out or not, you have to pay tax at the end of the year on your interest at the highest tax rate, your, your highest marginal tax rate. So whatever your last tax rate is, you're going to pay that on the interest. So then your income's gone down and you've got less to grow the next year. Whereas in real estate, it's all sheltered until you sell it. Now, I have another question about this tax thing, right? Because sure. it was my personal home. I lived there. So I don't have to pay tax on the increase. That's correct. But now I'm keeping it and I'm renting it out. Mm -hmm. So what happens? Okay, that's a great question. That's the time you want to have an assessment done on the value of the property. And you're probably going to anyways because if you're going to re-rent it, you might pull some money out to buy the next property. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to keep less money in the rental property. When you do that, it's probably going to trigger an appraisal. From the bank. From the bank. However, they don't always give you that appraisal. No. So you have to either get it from them or, or yep. get a new one. Yeah. And even probably a, a realtor's comparative market analysis is going to be good enough. You need something that stipulates what the value of your property was when you switch use of it. So when it switched from your principal residence to a rental, mm -hmm. you need to know what that value is. And likewise, if you go from a rental and you switch it into personal use, you need to know the value when you bought it and the value when you switch the it. use because that's how the government's going to figure out the tax, the capital gains on it. Cool. So you don't lose your capital gains. You actually continue to, you yep. received it for that period you lived there. Yep. And now you'll get uh, free, cap, basically no tax on the increase in your new home. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, you carry it with you. So that's beautiful. And then um, now we've got some people looking for properties, right? Sure do. I've got somebody that's looking for a multi-generational family house. So something that's fairly large. Uh, in the Kanata area, ideally, if it was in Kanata Lakes area, they would be delighted. Uh, it's got to be minimum kind of four bedrooms. Uh, we had some... They had some parents come from another country to join them. And now we've got to get all these people in a nice new home. And they have between five hundred and six hundred thousand to spend. So if you've got a home in the Canada area like that, that would maybe work, we'd love you to call us at 613-860-4663 because our job is to find homes for these people. And these people have sold their home, they're cash buyers, ready to buy. It could be the easiest sale you've ever had if you've got the right property. So, Or maybe you know someone in that area that's got the right property that's thinking of selling. Please have them contact us. We would love to facilitate this, this match. Awesome. Yeah. And talking about investment properties, I have another client who's looking for a high-end, in-the-core uh, rental property. It's triplex, fourplex, but it's got to have... One unit that's quite large because she wants to be owner-occupied, mm. live in one unit. Uh, could be a million, million and a half, million three-quarters, somewhere in that range. So if you have uh, have one of those or know somebody that has one of those properties, 
let us know. We'd love to help them. And Ryan, you specialize in uh, helping people build wealth through real estate. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants an investment property or wants to even just sit down and talk about the process, mm-hmm. or maybe even if it's time or they're able to, or they've got enough equity or they've got enough cash to do it, they could just call and make an appointment with you. Yep, sure. All right, so if you want to talk with Ryan about upping your game in the wealth building category, 613-860-4663, and we'd love to assist you. What you want to do?